Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Lil Rel Howry to talk all about his latest HBO special, I Said It, Y'all Thinking It. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the, the journey of this material in, in culminating into a special, because obviously, you know, it's it's material that you've been writing, that you've been working on, that you've been workshopping over a period of time before filming it for the special. Um, and at the same time, it also feels incredibly timely in a lot of the things that you're discussing. So there's much more recent material in there. And so I was just interested in what the initial concept was, what the initial kind of theme and topic of the show was that you envisioned and how closely the final version has ended up aligning with that from what you recorded. <laughs> well, um, to be honest, I didn't have time to workshop anything. So I just went and did the show. And, and, and I, that's not normal. And I usually do like to tour and work it out. But I've literally been doing back-to-back -back movies and I really wanted to get this in a can. So honestly, I took a page off one of, you know, kind of like what I usually do is like, I just show up to Chicago, go on stage and see what happens. And that is what happened. I didn't have any idea what route I was going with anything. <laughs> it literally was just off the cuff and just having fun. And this is, it's the way, like comedy is like breathing in me. I just wanted to give Chicago a really good comedy show. And just and I, I think this is the most topical I've ever been because I didn't have time to like really dive into what I really wanted to talk about. So, you know, it's one of those things I remember watching the first cuts because I didn't remember what I said. <laughs> you know, so it was like, oh, okay. And so that was a cool thing too, because I didn't have time to over-edit it or say, oh, I can't talk about this. I probably shouldn't. Whatever I say, that's why. I, it's called, I said it, y'all thinking it, because it was really, that's, here we go. So I didn't have time to workshop it, for real. It was, um, man, it was just kind of like something I usually give Chicago when I'm, when I've been, like, filming for a long time. I'm like, I just want to hit the stage. And that's what happened. I really love that. And, and with that in mind, um, was interested in working with Ali Leroy, who's the director of the special and kind of how in depth you ended up getting in conversations or, or not because of what you were just talking about with not having very much time. Cause you know, it, it, it visually looks really fantastic as a special, it, you know, the way that the camera kind of follows you on stage is so specific. Um, but I was interested now in what you were just saying about how, how much of that was just very organic and just kind of throwing everything into the room for this. You know, what's funny. The first show was like, uh, we did two shows that night. It was everybody's kind of like, okay, this is where we might go. Um, because even with the first show, I brought two of, them, two, two of my friends in, Rito Brown and Jay Alexander. And we went through the show. We like talked it out. He record, recorded a voice member on his phone so we could listen to it again. Like, All right, maybe I, I could try this again. Let's try this again. This is funny. This is that. Ali Leroy, I heard him, literally he did a podcast recently with Carrie Champion, and he was just talking about how it was like jazz doing this because he didn't know where I was going to go. So he needed to make sure he had cameras every which way so we'll have cuts for everything. So he was saying how he couldn't even really listen to the first show. He had to, he would just watch it. So he had to like, know if I went this way, I went that way, I went that and so it was like a beautiful dance for all of us. I think, you know, it became one of those cool things, kind of once in a lifetime thing where you get a chance to really see what your skill set is as a comic and as a director. 
That's so great. And and also in watching it, I don't know if I've ever seen a comedy special where the audience are so amped up by the time that the, the comedian walks out on stage. And part of that's by having a musical performance with Crucial Conflict. Um, mm-hmm. When did you realize that that was going to be an important part of the energy that you wanted to try and create the room before you've even told the first joke? Because they're already out of their seats, dancing in the aisles, and they're so on your side by the time you even appear. Well, it's a couple of things, right? Um making those tickets free, you know, dealing with the Chicago people. I had to buy every individual ticket because they have a, like outside of you renting a building, they have this deal with ticket masks. I'm like, and it was a big deal because HBO was like, we're not paying for that. And I was like, well, I'll pay for it out of my pocket. And so, because I wanted to make the show free. I know how like, when you come to a show downtown Chicago, you're worried about parking, you're worried about outfit. I think once you made, when I made the tickets free, people were so happy. And I just, look, it was a lot of worry in there. Like, nobody thought I could give away 7,000 tickets, which I'm like, dude, I've sold, like, a lot of tickets in Chicago over the years. I can give away 7,000 tickets. Those tickets was gone in one day. I only posted it on my Instagram, and they were, they were gone. Uh, so the crowd came in there with this energy. And then I took a, a, you know, took a page out of Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy's book. Richard Pryor for Live in the Sunset Strip, people don't know, I'm famous, they do. Patty LaBelle opened that show. That's why people was just coming back to their seats. Like she just killed it. People went to the bathroom and Richard Pryor walked on stage, which is why he do the bit about black people still in the seats. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and Eddie Murphy did the same thing when he did Delirious. He had the bus boys open up for him. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, do I want a comic to open up or do I just want it to be about me? And so one of my favorite rap groups is Crucial Conflict. I was literally, I thought about this, I was sitting in a bar in Atlanta, like, which is weirdly in the loud music gets my creative juices going. And I'm like, wait a minute, I should have crucial conflict. So I text him. And uh, I think that's one of these specials too, is interesting. I did a lot of stuff. I kind of put my money where my mouth is. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, all right, cool. If you're not gonna, this is my budget, cool. We're going outside the budget and whatever I need to do on my own. I do it. And it was worth it because the crowd didn't expect that. So they was on 10. So by the time the lights go out, you start hitting the rail chance. And that was another thing, too. That was all like super last minute. Like, well, who's going to bring you on stage? I'm like, no, I want a chance. <laughs> and I called my music supervisor, uh, uh, Marcus True Fitzgerald, is one of my good friends who's always doing musical things for me, if it was, you know, for my podcast or sick, whatever I need musically, I call this brother. So that chant is his wife, his kids, and him. <laughs> and he's able to do the chant. And it just, it was just, it was like, a, I had a vision of this in my head. Uh, and some of this, my mother's like, you know, God rest her soul. I remember one day she was just, I had to be like 16, 17. And she was just like, people one day going to chant your name. And I just never forgot that. And so this became an opportunity to like, to make that happen. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm proud of how everything came together because it was, it was literally a vision that I had. I, I was literally, I was at dinner with Gerard Carmichael yesterday. And we was talking about the special and we was talking about his special. It was the first time we've had dinner. Uh, just to talk about it, like just uh, you know, our, our specials and stuff. And uh, I think he was just he was fascinated by that, you know. And Gerard really was the one inspiring too, because it was 
I feel like I had writer's block for a little bit, which is kind of like comedy just started feeling icky to me. And Rothaniel was like inspiring to like really just dive in and be whatever the comic you're going to be. And um, I don't know, that's another, that's random, but I'm proud of my friends and like these are people I could break bread with and share ideas and things like that and, and able to execute something like I said as y'all thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, one, one of the things within a lot of, of your comedy that you do so well is, is kind of knowing that balance of how much context you have to give the audience. So when you talk about the slap at the Oscars, you literally are just like the slap, you know, that you don't need to give them any more information than that. You know, when you're mentioning the Brooklyn pastor who was robbed at gunpoint, you know, that's something that some people in the audience probably knew the story. Some people have probably never heard of it. So you kind of bring them in on the surface and then you go, and then this happened. And then this was an another detail and kind of dig deeper for the comedy is that something that over the years with how much you've been doing this is just something that feels very innate now to know how much detail you need to give the audience and how to comedically give them that exposition where it's not okay so like here's actually the new story but instead by giving them a narrative thread and, and telling a story I mean that's one of the things I've loved about George Carlin you know it was stuff it's stuff I didn't know about that I end up researching after after he talked about it, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think that's what makes a great comedian is, can I bring you into my world? And, and I have to make sure I describe it to you. You know, one of the great things I love about my comedy is character work. So, like, sometimes if you don't know what happened, me reenacting it, like, helps a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, even, like, this is with the Lean On Me bit, which was crazy last minute. I'm just happy to be an obsessed person about that could have happened out with no more perfect than that. Like, oh, don't get me started by leaning on me. It's, I know people who've never seen the movie that went and watched it afterwards. Even with the versus battle with Three Six Mafia and both people wouldn't watch this again. If you go on YouTube and it's like, oh, he wasn't lying. So like, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where like, if you describe something well enough and bring them into the the into the, make the environment come true. It's such a fun ride. I mean, that's, and I, honestly, this is gonna sound very crazy, but where I get that from is Muffet Baby. Used to be a show called Muffet Babies. I watched it as a kid. And what I loved about that show, every episode, their imagination would just, like, wherever, even when you listen to the, the theme song, it's just talking about that. And so I've literally lived my life describing stuff because of that show. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's definitely an amazing and unexpected reference, but I absolutely see what you're talking about with that, you know, and, and also within your comedy as well, there's, there's such an art into interweaving different tones, you know, and this is a comedy show where you're making jokes about popular culture at the same time that you're talking about what it was like to have an anxiety attack and then go into therapy and conversations you've had with your therapist. Um, and it, it, it balances and dances back and forth between those spaces so seamlessly and so well, um, you know, and kind of gives the audience time to come in through the comedy before going to the more emotional spaces of the show. Um, you know, and kind of similarly, is is that something where you sometimes with material will have a bit of an idea of how you want to create that balance and create that dance between spaces? Or, you know, again, is that something that at this point with your writing and, and with performing things very off the cuff for a show like this, just just really kind of comes quite naturally to you? You know, it comes naturally, which is it's so funny. Me and Gerard was talking about this yesterday. 
like this special was just naturally me being funny. Just, but I haven't even dived into it, into this very personal space yet because I haven't had time to work it out. And that's going to take me going on the road and really, so, you know, I feel like this special was a sneak peek to what I'm going to do next, the next one. And so, funny, Gerard, you know, I love, Gerard is so honest. That's why I love Gerard. And he'll tell me, Pharrell, you're hysterical, but like, I want to see you dive, like dive in, like with all of that. Like what's, what is those sessions like? What, what have you dove into in those sessions? And it's like, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is, is practicing. You know, so I, you know, I don't know if I've ever really done it before, but I'm going to take some time off from shooting movies, go on a road for like five, six months and bury myself in this honesty. So this is, this is, you know, this was fun. And I love this special, but this next one, I'm going I'm to go there and I, you're going to like see more personal, a more personal approach that probably more than I've ever done before. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. And one of the things as well that makes this this special, and, and I think your comedy in general, such an enjoyable interaction as an audience member is that you allow yourself to be in on the joke. You allow yourself to laugh along with the audience. You know, you don't laugh before they do. You allow them to take the lead. And so then when you're watching it at home, if you're laughing out loud to something, it's it's a group collective experience by that point. Is that something that has just always been a part of your comedy from when you first started doing shows? And was it something that you ever consciously thought about or just something that came out one day and just felt like part of your flow? No, it's always been a part of my flow. And it's so funny because sometimes you get like these mean tweets. He just laughing at his own jokes. You know, it's like, but like, I, you know, I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan. And like, when you see like, like sometimes I know when I break up the character or a story, I'm laughing because I'm replanted in my head. It's like, yo, that's crazy funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so as much as I want the audience to enjoy me, I got it. I enjoy me too. And I think that's sometimes that's the crazy part about when I'm freestyling like I'm doing. Because I don't know where I'm going with this. And I sometimes I blow my own mind. Like, well, that was funny. That's crazy. Like, you know, just like little stuff like Ron Isley put his beard in a box. Like, <laughs> that's insane. Right? You know? <laughs> but it's so funny. It's just, I think it's something I unconsciously do. But I enjoy my comedy just as much as everybody else. That's great. And and you also, at the beginning of the show, you, you talk about how the news feels like it's become too much. And obviously with everything over the last couple of years, you know, you're like, I just want to turn on my TV and watch Golden Girls. And it, it kind of feels like this comedy special is, is giving an element of that, that joy and that escapism that you've been looking for yourself to the audience that are there watching it in person, watching it at home. Was that, was that a conscious thought on your part about the, the tone and the kind of experience that you wanted to create, given that it was such a fast and furious process for this to come out or how did that essence and tone of what it is come about that's a great question because that exactly was my intention i looked at it like a gift to the world um i think sometimes i think comedy has gotten way too serious and i'm like what well, a job is a comic is to make these things funny like how can i take people away from what's going on. And I think, you know, the way I opened the show, 
which letting the audience know this is what I'm about to do. I'm about to just have fun with y'all. And, you know, from a happy place, you know, I, I, I'll say this about my special, it's happy. Like you, you're, you're literally watching somebody who's decided to figure out a way to heal themselves and take care of themselves mentally and physically and all those different things. And you're seeing how happy I am. I think a lot of times, you know, comedy is, it comes out of tragedy and these different things, but this one is like, when you think about the for real stuff, cause I'm happy, that's the energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, this is from a happy, a happy place. And I think, you know, when you, when you go to the end of it, I couldn't close like I wanted to because I really want to take it in. Like, you know, that's a huge accomplishment to come back home to your city and two-pack shows and the name of lights at the Chicago Theater. And there's a line around the corner. My uncle, he was calling from his car, like, I ain't use this famous stop. <laughs> you know, it, it was just this beautiful. I, and I, I think sometimes in our careers, you know, we're too busy on the grind and things like that. And we don't take time to like, taking how amazing some of these moments are. And that's what I decided to do. I, I stepped back and I, I couldn't even find the words to it. I tried, I, I, I was so glad I didn't cry. I was like trying not to burst into tears, but I was so proud of myself of, you know, coming from all those open mics in Chicago to, you know, being at the Chicago Theater, taping my second HBO special. That was, that was, that was surreal. It's still, even when I think about it now, I'm still, I still get goosebumps about it. Cause it's like, oh, wow. And I did that while in between shooting movies. <laughs> Crazy. And it, it is such a beautiful moment to just watch watch kind of the, the silence as you just step back from the microphone and you're just, like you said, just taking it all in, watching the audience, you know, after kind of just going, well, I guess I'll get out of here because it's been about an hour. It seems about right. Was that, <laughs> did, did you have an intent? Did you have that intention going into the recording of, you know, this is kind of how I think I'm going to end it. You know, it's not going to be the, the traditional, you know, building up to the larger format joke before I get out of here. It's going to be this like, okay, I think we're done and let me just enjoy this moment and take this pause or was the pause just something that really organically came out of what you were experiencing in the room and what the audience were giving you in that moment it, it organically came out you know that particular pause is from the first taping mm -hmm. second taping I was a little more together and I was like oh, you know whatever whatever but that's that first one you know um, like I do these shows sometimes and every once in a while I look at an audience and like picture my mom sitting there and so that's what happened <laughs> and um yeah it's it's I, I'm, I'm and also too is me thinking Chicago I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for the city supporting me from the beginning to where I'm at now you know I was a 19 year old kid who loved Santa and you know, we talk about dreams coming true, but sometimes you don't know if they are, <laughs> you know? And so 
to literally be stepping in and living in my dream and doing something my heroes did. I mean, that's one of the great things about having Ali Leroy directors uh, special, and that's why I dedicated to Bernie Mac. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think about that all the time, all the cats who came before me, and I always want to show them respect and love. So, like, if I, when I get, I got a text message from Damon Wayne, those be the texts that stick to me, like, oh, wow, Damon's on special. You know, he gets, you know, he, he sees what I'm doing. And, you know, you know, Robert Townsend and Keenan, I look up to those guys. And so, like, to like make my heroes proud is a, is a cool thing. And that's that's what all this represented to me. It's I just kind of wanted to just, just make something really funny. <laughs> and, and with what you were saying just there about you know kind of reflecting and and starting out as just a nineteen year old that just loved stand up comedy and and wanted to try and figure out how you could get your foot in the door and and be in this world. What what's the difference for you now in in walking on stage for a show like this where the audience is on your side? They're so excited to see you. They've specifically come out to see you from when you were doing shows and you you know you're coming in and you're doing a couple of minutes in the middle of a lineup. The audience doesn't know you yet. They don't know your material. They don't know your comedic voice and and you have such a finite amount of time to to get them on your side and win them over and introduce them into your world your voice as a comic and and the stories that you tell yeah it's so funny because you think about that when you first start comedy like yeah nobody knows who you are so you have to come out like a fireball like you know what i mean it's like i gotta get it right away this time around which is why you gotta like you gotta own your greatness in a way where it's like, you know, I think that's what I love about the intro so much, where it's pitch black and it's just me standing in the lights at first and then walking towards the mic. You know, I'm like, okay, I have my moment of nerves and all that stuff. Now it's time to put on a show. Who's ready for a show? Here we go. We about to, this, this is your cousin. This is your best friend who called you on the phone and just want to talk to you for hours about all the random stuff going on in their life and in the world. Let's have this conversation. It's so great. Well, it's it's such a wonderful special. And based off everything you were saying about the way that this material is going to inform your next show, already can't wait to see whatever you end up workshopping and coming up with for the next one. So thank you so much for talking about this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for watching and thank you for talking to me. <laughs>